This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. You are now listening to the Heroic Council. Hi, I'm uh, Tim Uli, and today I'm hosting the Heroic Council. Uh, my featured guests today are council members Jeff Gibbard, Sarah Hanzian, and our spotlighted guest today, Parshal Tashi. Make sure to tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern time, where we get together and talk about our work and answer your questions. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform on YouTube or join our Facebook group. All of that info can be found at superheroinstitute.org slash heroic, and all links will be in the show notes. Remember, if you love the show, the best thing you could do is leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Okay, let's get started. Uh, so, Parshel, thanks for letting us uh, put the spotlight on you today. Uh, how are you feeling? I am feeling the spotlight, and good it idea. feels good, and I feel butterflies in my stomach you know it's like this mixture of things going on that's how i'm I, feeling i i don't uh i don't i don't know if uh that's necessary i mean uh i i know your uh your accomplishments so i'm going to list a couple things and you tell me if this sounds like like right to you so uh you started as a um as a math teacher um and then uh you were kind of like you knew you wanted to get into creative fields and you floated around doing a few different things um you ended up get like sticking to video that really stuck with you and you're like this is the direction i want to go with um since then you've been a video producer director um educator is definitely on your on on what you've been really doing over the past couple years in general since COVID, anyways um and uh can you correct me if i'm wrong uh, have you written a book yet no, not yet. No, okay. Is it on your on your to-do list? It is on my on my list at some point is to to write something. Yes. Cool. Uh so so how did I do that? Did I uh do you think uh, that captured um all your accomplishments so far yet? Um yeah, I would say so. There's like tons of stories too that like for me personally came up through that, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is pretty much the gist. I was a high school math teacher. Uh then I picked up the camera and said I was going to start doing that part time just to make extra money. So I did that and I literally took on every kind of job I could just because it was something fun to do. And I had no idea before then that I could be paid to do it. So <laughs> that was like a revenue. But yeah, essentially I started doing that and quit teaching, stuff, uh, focused on video and stuck with that. And yeah, just kept going started producing more and getting on the business side of video. So it was like 10 years ago. Jeez. Jeez. Yeah. Parshall, was video something you were like always interested in or photography like as a kid? Or was it just because it's it's actually kind of odd that you hear an adult say, like, I changed or I picked up a hobby. So was that something you were interested in for a long time? Yeah, since the age of 12, I remember telling Jeff this story, I think on the podcast, but growing up in church in these community groups, they would make these flyers for us to hang, hand out to people in the neighborhood and whatever. Maybe there was something going on at the church. And these flyers looked horrible. I felt very embarrassed for some reason mm -hmm. to hand them out because they didn't look that good to me. Remember like the word art with like the 3D text that mm -hmm. kind of did like a curve and then like the clip art with the chicken leg and, you know, this, these are things they would put together to invite people to come to something that was supposed to be exciting. And I'm like, this doesn't look exciting. So that's honestly, like when I look back, that's when I said, huh, like maybe I can, you know, the computer and make it look better. So that's literally what got me in the world of like making things like logos, flyers, 
like um, anything to really help out the community because it just sucked. And then um, uh, and then eventually video became a part of that as well as I started to realize, oh, well, I could take my own picture instead of using these pictures. So I started doing that, picking up the camera and then realized, oh, shit, I can do video, too. <laughs> and I just, you know, started getting into video. So it just was literally something just kind of evolved. And then once I started my business, which at the time was called Fresh Level Designs, it was like all those things that's what I was offering. It was photography, logos, websites, like anything creative that you needed done. And then a business coach at the time told me, uh, you might want to pick one of these instead of like eight things that you're offering. So I picked one and I said, you know what? I think video is really cool. I like that the best. So that's just what I pick and why. Which oh, that's awesome. Pick. I'm always interested in like when people kind of find that passion and go for it. It's cool. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I forgot that you were a math teacher, but I think what might, um, what at least occurred to me is like when I think math teacher, it's probably the last thing I think of, of somebody who's going to break with it and go into a creative field, right? Like I think to myself, like <laughs> math teacher, like you're in like the left brain, like you might break with it and decide, no, I'm going to go into accounting, right? Like there's, there's like kind of a linear leap there, but for you to go from being a math teacher to fully embracing creativity, it seems like you've got like a, uh, a a good handle on, I guess, like both sides of the brain, you know, like the more analytical, logical side and the more creative side. Have you noticed your ability to kind of keep both of those in balance and in check as you've grown as a business person or is are you starting to go deeper and deeper into the business side of things? No, I'm actually finding that there's more of a balance and I love that balance because Yes, there's like the analytical side, analytical side of things that happen, the logistics that happen around production. Video is not just showing up and doing the video recording and the editing. There's so much other stuff that goes into it that actually excites me. Like having a very smooth production day excites me. <laughs> so hmm. that means that there's like a, a lot of planning that's to be done beforehand and really understand like what are we trying to convey? What's the end goal? Um, and then understanding how does this impact the business? What are they going to use this video for? It just kind of expounds. And so my brain gets to have like a heyday in that regard. And then when we show up on set to actually do it and to get creative with the, the equipment, like that's equally as fun to me. Mm. So um, something that I really appreciate um, about your business in particular uh, which is something that like, I feel like a lot of creatives have a really hard time doing. And that is like, you're very specific about what you offer. Um, like you have like your particular product that you are product and services that you offer. Um, was that like a really hard decision when you're like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Like, how, how'd you get there? Yeah, it was really, really tough because I mean, in those 10 years of me doing video, um, and I think also with my personality as like, I guess to say the weaker part of my, my personality is being a people pleaser. So um, I just think that a lot of those things like kind of uh, uh, kind of creeped in, if you will. But at the end of the day, um, getting really focused on what you want to do means you need to cut people off. In a sense, you need to cut things off. You need to get rid of a lot of the extra fluff. And so, yeah, that was like really tough for me to do because I could do all things for uh, just about any kind of video project. Somebody at like one person called me and said, Hey, could you do like a 3d video of a museum layout or something? And it's going to be happening here. And I said, yep, I can do it. And I would figure it out or, you know, through my, my network, like actually make it happen. But, uh, I just would say yes to everything. And I, me just saying, Nope, this is actually what I want to do. It's kind of the, the switch that's happened for me and my business right now. So yeah. I'm able to say, yep, we only do high quality video production for 
online courses, you know, for high impact consultants who are get are, that are paid for what they know, right? Those are the kind of people that energize me that I love being around. And, um, and me in my own personal journey as an entrepreneur, I didn't go to school for it. I went to school for everything else. I didn't go to school for this. Yet this was the best training, the best learning I got through people, um, through the things that they learned um, and taught me that really helped me to propel and go forward. So it's all these things kind of coming into one that really makes me feel good about saying, this is what I'm focused on right now. And it is, it is kind of tough because it's like a lot of soul searching involved in that process too. A lot of like personal work, I think that goes into like, what do I want to do? Cause it's not just, it can't be about the money. It has to be more than that. And so that shift for me was really huge. What were the things that you really enjoyed about working on uh, those courses? Like, uh, was it was it like you started working on them and then you're like, oh, I really enjoy educating the client about how how this should unveil. Like, what were what were the specific things where you're like, I really enjoyed this, this, and this about it? Um, I really enjoyed in particular because you helped uh, Tim the project with Rachel, yeah, with Me Bloom. I was on set there with my team we had probably about seven or eight people on set there and in between takes of her lessons like i'm sitting there paused i didn't say cut didn't say anything because i was so impacted by what i just learned like it was like yeah. damn that was so good <laughs> and it just it blew me up i was like damn this is so good and we got that on camera we're gonna edit that we're gonna put that on other people gonna see it oh man like it just like fireworks kind of were going off that day um, so those aspects really excited me about just that kind of work um, with with education. Um, and I think also, too, it was like once I looked at her curriculum and I looked at like what we were actually going to be producing, um, it was and for other people who sent me their curriculum to look at, it's like, dang, this is kind of cool. This is easy because mm -hmm. to me and I, I tend to forget the things that I've done, but I have a master's in curriculum and instruction. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> so now to look at people's work, I'm like. Why is this, why am I under, like, why is this coming so smooth and easy? Like, this is actually fun. Something about this feels familiar. And I'm like, well, yeah, because you went to freaking school for it. And then you taught. So, duh, partial. But uh, that that was kind of the thing that it, it, it felt of ease. It felt like, damn, like, this is actually easy for me. This is fun. Um, and it's helping people in the end. So those kind of are the sweet spots for me. Can you talk a bit about the education piece? Because it's interesting because you, went into education, then you left education, and then you got back into education. So can you talk a bit about why did you get into education? Why did you leave ed education? And then why did you get back into it? Because that's like, kind of came full circle, but it's like it came full circle and it expanded. Yeah, it was, um, well, I, I got into teaching because um, in my freshman year of college, I was a math major, and my initial focus was on computational I was going to do something engineering related with my math degree. Um, but at the time, also, I, uh, I I didn't do a lot of partying in college. That wasn't my thing. It wasn't my scene. So I spent a lot of time like praying and, and with other uh, people who believed in God and things like that. So one day I remember just praying and just asking, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, just tell me, like, give me some direction here because like I'm doing the computational thing, but eh, it's whatever. What am I supposed to do? And I felt really strong that I don't know how else to describe that, what, what it is, but it was a word that I felt, which was teach. So, and I felt it so strongly that, that I think a couple of weeks later, I went to the registrar and changed my 
focused mm -hmm. education. So I then was on a path to become a school teacher. And that had a lot of things like kind of, I guess, in my favor in that decision as well, because my mom is, she's actually getting ready to retire from being a, um, a high school math teacher, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. And um, and I had been tutoring while I was in high school. I was tutoring people who were in college. Like it was just part of my world. And I didn't even realize that I was doing that. So I said, you know what? That is a good decision. Maybe I can do the education thing. Let's do it. So I went that route, started teaching. Uh, but then once I started doing the video stuff on the side, like I said, someone asked me like, well, how much would you charge to do this for, you know, for me? I had no idea that I could charge money to do what I was doing uh, for that. And so I just knew it was an opportunity. And part of me felt bad. A lot of people thought that I was leaving teaching because I couldn't take the kids. You know, the kids were too much and couldn't deal with teenagers. I love teenagers. Like, I love being around them. Uh, but I knew that there was something else that I felt I was really good at that I wanted to pursue. So I made the decision to stop teaching at that time. My whole family thought I was nuts, um, but I did it. And I don't know why full circle, it kind of came back. I think like 2020, self-reflection, like what I want to do, how can I help other people? Um, I turned the camera on and I started just doing more teaching. Um, mm. And I was teaching teenagers uh, during the summertime and they had nothing to do. I just ran like a couple classes of teenagers from like wherever who wanted to join and would like teach them things about making videos. That was it. I did that for a couple classes. That was pretty fun. Um, and I really liked it and I just continued with it. And so uh, flash forward when I really started to think like, what can I actually do? The opportunity to come, to work with Rachel came up um, as well as some other people who were doing some educational work. And I thought, oh, this is full circle. Like, why not? This makes so much sense. And I now have like 10 years of video experience under my belt to add to this mix of like what I know how to do of teaching. So why not? This feels good. This feels like the right thing to do. So that's how it kind of came full circle. Hmm. That's awesome. Organic. Yeah. I think a lot of people miss that too. Like they miss that opportunity to say, my past is helping me now and here's how it connects and this is why it matters where so many people say, okay, I'm done with that career. I'm having a new one. They're totally separate. Let's not talk about that old one. But I think it's so important to embrace some of these things. Like every career, every moment that's happened to you helps you get where you are today. And you're just such a good example of that. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, it, I didn't want to dismiss it either. It was like it was there already. And I think that for, for most of us who are consultants or in business, it's like at some point in your business, you have to, this is what I'm learning now, you just have to kind of make a distinguish, distinguishing uh, statement, if you will, about like what it is that you want to be known for. Like, what is your legacy? What is what it is it that you want to, to do in that respect? And um, I don't know, it just, it just, it makes sense that it's something that it's, that is that, right? I can't like dismiss my, um, education, my past, and like, how can I make this work? Because if not, then I need to spend another 10 years learning something else. Like, that's kind of in my mind, too. It's like, I got this, and I got this, and I kind of like them. So let's just keep going. So yeah, <laughs> otherwise, I need to go learn something else completely different and spend like, yeah, another 10 years. I don't want to do that. I feel like this is a little that. the case with all of us on the on the Heroic Council here is that like, all of us kind of went and did a thing, and then we left that thing and then later on brought back in the old thing in with the thing mm. that we're doing now. It's like, I feel like to a certain extent, that's like the, the process of growth, right? Is like you, you take on a thing, 
And then you're like, oh, no, 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 this isn't right at all. I'm going to go do something else. And then you realize later on, oh, wow, no, that thing is still valuable. And if I incorporate it into what I now know, oh, my God, it's even better. Right. And then like you do that again, like I'd imagine, you know, we'll be having a spotlight on partial in 10 years from now. And it's going to be a different story about you were like, remember when I was doing online education and videos? And <laughs> now I'm doing this stuff with holograms. I knew holograms was going to be it. Like, <laughs> it's, it's true. Problems. It's true. It all builds on each other, you know. And I think for me, too, it was like, like, like I said, going through that personal uh, reflection time during 2020, it was like, it just that, that conversation had to be had, I think, about, you know, what it is I actually want to do. So can you uh, can you tell me a little bit about um, who who's generally considered like a good client for you right now? Like what kind of people are um, are like in the space where they should be thinking like, oh, it's it might be worthwhile for me to make a course. Yeah. Uh, again, the consultants who get paid for what they know. Right. These are the um, those that I want to work with. Um, and I feel like we can really help them. Their, their challenge, I think, is around how they can up level the quality of their content when it comes to their courses, because otherwise, for a lot of them, they're stuck either behind Zoom or just with uh, a regular crew that does other things. Like my specialty would be in educational um, content for these courses. So um, maybe these individuals, these consultants have written a book before. Um, they've done courses before. Maybe they're at the point where they have course um, other coaches or people following their frameworks. Um, there's a lot of uses for courses um, right now as well. But uh, for those who are just really looking to make a bigger impact and to increase the quality, experience, those are, your, uh, those are which... the kind of people that I really like to work with. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, have you talked to Jeff before, by the way? Because Jeff has been consistently interested in making a course for the past six years that I've known him. And uh... <laughs> I have so many course ideas. Parshel and I are going to do like a full like weekend retreat together or something because there's just so many of them. And then most recently when we were talking, you were like, you started talking about curriculum design. I was like, Parshel, where the hell have you been my whole life? Because I have so many <laughs> ideas for this stuff. And like, it's just, it all, it like pops out of my head. So to that point, okay, let's, you know, Tim, that's a, a perfect segue. So imagine that we were going to sit down and start doing a thing. What is like one of the most important things you think someone who's coming to work with you about creating a course needs to know or needs to think about before? Like, can they just arrive completely cold? They're like, I'm smart. I want to build a course and you'll take them through the whole thing. Or is it like they should come prepared with like, okay, I've thought, because I, I think in terms of like structure all the time. So I've got like categories and modules and sub modules and resources. So like I've already started putting together a lot of the stuff. How much is the right amount to come to you with for a project to be its most successful? And are there any key things that people need? Yeah. For, typically, I like to see that they've taught this before in some way, shape or form, even if it wasn't like in a live mm -hmm. webinar. It's, it's not it's not material that they are unfamiliar with. Um, I also like to see that they are coming together with kind of like what you said, their categories already laid out, their modules, their lessons. Um, because again, most of these people have already taught courses before. It's not my objective to come in and like, like create the course from their brain necessarily. Like I like to start with like, all right, let's, you already have it worked out. Um, and then from there, we start to really figure out how can we, how can we approach this visually to ensure that learning takes place? So, um, but if they come together with their course outline, um, they've already taught it before. And 
And maybe they also already have an audience, like they already have some other pieces on the back end sort of already in place, like who this is for, a lot of those details It makes for um, what we can do on the visual side when we go to actually build out what's going to happen that much easier. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so, so the, uh, okay, so like, so essentially, I, it's likely that I might have been like a speaker prior to this, and I've been doing speaker engagements. Um, I probably have a book which kind of lays out like what I do. And at the end of the day, like, for instance, most of the copy I'm assuming is going to be already done at that point by the time they get to you, or will you work them work, work through those kind of pieces? Um, it, it, it depends. It depends. I don't know to what detail the, the content would be exactly, but yeah. essentially just come with as much as you have, like whatever it is that's on your mind. Like, I think for most of these people, like they would have already thought, yep, I've, I'm, I could present this on Zoom right now. Yeah, I could yeah, present yeah. this to a group. They're at that stage, but it's like Zoom is not going to cut it. Zoom is not going to be um, what's going to best represent this information for it to be you know, taught on a, 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 on a mass scale. Well, considering the saturation of like web online webinars and courses nowadays, like wh what should people really be thinking about to kind of like differentiate themselves from like? Oops. Tim, you're gonna have to say that again. Your internet for it. Oh, is that me? Yeah, but you're back. Oh, okay, sorry about that. So, um, considering uh, considering the amount of webinars and courses that are out there right now. What are some things that um, that uh, course creators should be thinking about that, uh, like visually, anyway speaking, that might might differentiate them? Like, what's important right now? Do you think? Um, I think what's really important is just having that content to match the learner. Like, I, for me, I just go back to classroom, um, and sometimes some content is missing a really good hook. Like, how are we going to get the students interested in what's going to be talked about? Um, are there assessments in place? Like, how do you know that they that they did what you wanted them to do? Um, I think that really at the end of the day, there's a lot of holes that are missing in certain in some education online because there's there's missing opportunities for, um, as I just mentioned, assessments and opportunities for feedback and how the feedback can be ongoing. Because um, whatever your course is, there's a promise with it, so you want to make sure that you deliver on that promise. And it is really frustrating. I just bought a program like a month ago that did not deliver on its promise, like straight up. Mm. And I think that that's even a worse, you know, that's making a worse case for online coursework right now than anything is the fact that people pay for something and they don't get the end result. And it's not so much that the teaching is not, is, is, is bad or something like that. Sometimes it's just that there's no like true follow up in place. There's, there's things that are missing to or that yes, learning took place and here's proof of it, you know, in certain respects. So I think that um, the more that those things can be incorporated, um, the better and to make the education experience altogether that much more fun. What happened in that course that you just took that didn't deliver? Um, like, did you feel like at the end that you didn't learn what you what they said you were going to learn, like, yeah. or they weren't giving you the information? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. basically hmm. it just didn't didn't fully learn what was supposed to be learned. And um, there were some also pieces where there were supposed to be ongoing feedback and coaching, but that never, mm -hmm. it's like I'm messaging the person and there's no, uh, well, that, that's probably a separate admin issue for them. But the point is like, they didn't deliver on it. We were supposed to have like uh, live calls and things like that. And the time for the live time, the, you know, would come and go. <laughs> the person never showed up kind of stuff. So yeah, absolutely.
yeah, Jeff, I imagine that's not good for the long-term brand, right? No, no, that's that's probably not the best thing. And it's funny because like um, you see so many of the courses out there, and I know that so many of them are terrible. And I've been trying to crack the code on like what makes for a great course, right? So one of the things I think that that I'm constantly concerned about, like if I'm even thinking about a course or like I'm I'm advising someone else who's trying to do it, is like. Um, how often are you going to have to update this material? Like one yep. of the ones that I've I've kind of dragged my feet on creating is about social media. And part of the reason is like, by the time I'm done with this stupid thing, I'm going to have to go <laughs> in there and change it because Facebook's going to change the way that the ad editor looks or you're going to take away mm. some sort of an option or something. And like, and, and you know, you don't, it, you know, creating a course is not something that takes like an hour. It's like, it's an immense amount of time. So like going back and refreshing it is one thing. There's like the resources that go with it. And then like, you just have the concern of like, you know, you said like you didn't learn what you thought you were going to learn. And I imagine there's some people who could hear that and say, well, you know, maybe, maybe you just didn't try hard enough or whatever. And it's like, sometimes, it sucks, <laughs> but sometimes there are people that like buy a course, they do one of the modules and they're like, I'm not rich yet. So it's like the whole online course world is like this weird wild West right now. Yeah. Um, like w when you're going about structuring a course with a client, do you have sort of like a standard set of like, here's the things you definitely need, or here's the considerations or like, I just laid out a couple things like updating the course, uh, resources, things like that. Like how, how do you go about thinking about it? Cause I'd imagine there's not just like one type of course. Yeah. One of the things which I like uh, in terms of how the film perspective can come to play is really mapping out a journey. Um, and getting and having like the first lesson to sell the next lesson. And then that sells the next lesson and everything is sequential. Like, is there a flow? Is there continuity to the course? Or is it like, you know, disjointed in some ways? It's like it skips around or it's not very um, cohesive. Um, so I, I definitely look for continuity. It's like a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. I also look for, um, I well, I'm trying to figure out how to say, like I, I look also for the, uh, the the way in which it is taught, <laughs> like the actual methodology that's being used to teach something. It's it's one thing to teach a motor skill. It's another thing to teach someone an intellectual skill, like of how to do something. And there's certain ways that you have to do it. So for me, I like to actually match it up against like what learning style is most appropriate for this type of learning. If you're teaching like a how-to versus mm. a mindset or if you're teaching um, uh, something that's more procedural, you know, there's things that have to be in place. You have to make sure prior knowledge is established. It just goes back to teacher stuff. I can't bring up new information without, you know, uh, without bringing to the table, like what do you already know about these topics? And if you don't know those things, I need to make sure that that's module one or that's the previous module to, before we get to what's going to be taught. Um, so that way there's no assumptions made about the learner. We know who's here what their issues are and what's going to be the best like journey to bring them along. So I look for continuity. I look for learning styles. Um, and I look for, again, I mentioned before, like assessments, like at the end of the day, when I taught, it was like, how do I know that these kids like <laughs> actually got something or not? And you have your own ways of figuring it out. But um, I, I feel like that's just important as well. Like having some way to get the feedback as well from, uh, from the learners. So and those things I look for in general too. That's helpful as an educator. If you do those assessments and you see that like four out of five people are like not 
not walking away with the information. It gives you the information you need to go, oh, well, clearly something's not working. Yeah. I remember I would, uh, when I gave, I have so many stories from when I taught school, but geez, like you get a test back and you think, man, I killed that. Like all the kids understood it. They were good to go. Gave them this easy test or whatever. And it's like 50, 60, 50. God, what oh. happened here? You know, and the, but that's good feedback as a teacher um, that you really also have to face is like, you know, is my material is what I'm teaching? Does it actually work? Um, and so ways to understand that I think is important too. So um, making so sure I they learned it. <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I was reading a statistic, I think when we were working on the Rebloom piece that like, I think seven out of 10, um, seven out of 10 people who pick up a online course don't finish it. Uh, what are there like particular strategies that, um, that a course creator could do that would help minimize, you know, people dropping off, um, uh, like earlier in the course? Yeah. Uh, one thing for sure is to, and, and there's certain aspects about course creation that I'm still learning. Yeah. So I'm kind of teaching you guys what I know because my focus just is on the production. And I happen to have this background of like education to really um, sort of bring those things together. But essentially the, for the course creators, like it's really important for, uh, as I mentioned before, to, really think about the learner's journey, like, and to and just kind of bringing them step by step. Even if one of your lessons to a module is like a minute, it's okay. Like however long it takes to get to the point, you know, get to the point within it, but keep it to be, um, you know, so that there's a flow to it, in other words. Yeah, I was, I, I uh, something I, I liked and also like disliked about a course that I ended up taking last year was um, uh, it was like extremely gamified you know what I mean? Like, for instance, like you'd read oh, yeah. the, this one article that takes about three minutes. And as soon as you read it, you click completed. And then there's a little mark that check mark that goes up over here. And then you can mm -hmm. see your progress bar fill up a little bit. And then you read the next article. This article is about three minutes. Same thing. You have a little mm -hmm. short quiz and that pops up. You watch this 10 minute video and then, you know what I mean? Like, uh, but also some, part of it made me feel like a, like a five-year-old too, because I was kind of disappointed of how much I liked all the little like blinking lights and the gamification of the whole thing. Um, but um, have you uh, like something that I'm personally interested in? And I was wondering if like, like if you had any thoughts on this, like I'm really interested in like um, combining like different medias for something along those lines to keep like something really engaging. Like for instance, you're doing the video side. Like I always thought it'd be really cool to design like the UX for the, um, the UX for the for like the digital side of the course and how people are like interacting with these things and you know because you're going to have like different kinds of learners who learn different ways like are I'm not asking you necessarily for a partnership on this kind of stuff but have you thought about like like how, how to like integrate video with other types of media and stuff to like push forward courses because I know you're working on a course right right now yeah yeah there's, there's definitely, I think, some ways to mix up the, the, the media. Some people actually like to just listen to audio. Mm -hmm. So I found that some courses just having an audio, audio option um, is a good format. And then the visual as well. Like there's really amazing workbooks and like um, other tools that can go along with that. But what you just mentioned with the UX design, like I've seen where after, um, well, if you guys are familiar with like Wistia and how you can embed um, like text and um, different calls to action within the videos, it was something to that effect that I've seen yeah, that yeah, might yeah. be cool too, is to kind of give that interactivity throughout the course as well. And I think that you can easily do that on some tech stuff. Um, 
we have, and, and again, we're at the beginning stages of, of our company, but uh, there are a lot of opportunities that we're seeing for partnership on um, UX, as well as um, the back end of what happens with the course as well, yeah. which is like promoting it, marketing and selling it. Um, I've been very, and it's been tough because um, it's something I'm still working through, but I don't want to be uh, competing with these others that say, oh, I'll help you make an online course. No, I will help you make the video yeah. <laughs> stand out incredibly well. And you can trust that that video is matched up with really great learning styles and it matches what's going to be best to deliver this content. Yeah, that's period. Smart. Then <laughs> here are these other amazing people, you know, for now that I would consider as partners that can help with that stuff. Um, but it's it's been really, really tough because I'm like seeing what everyone else to, you know is promoting. And I see all these ads, of course, since I'm doing more research in this area, like I'm getting hit up everywhere about like making courses or uh, whatever. And I'm just excited to kind of be in this niche of like, I'm just going to provide the video for it. And that's that's where I'm going to shine the best. Um, the other stuff you know, it just comes into play with just having the right partner to make sure that that happens. Yeah. How Marshall, I'm, I'm, I'm asking for a friend, which means I'm asking for me. <laughs> How do we know that? So I have a course that I'm thinking about. I told you about it a while ago, but I've really put it on the back burner because I'm not sure it's, it's worth it. Right. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to someone like me or me specifically? Um, you know, how do we decide like, yes, that course is worth pursuing. It's worth continuing. Yeah, I would. There's a couple of tests that I, I've actually done myself and I encourage other people to do is like once you have your outline together, just create uh, it could be like a short webinar. It could even be just a video that you share with your audience of you just like saying, hey, this I have something I want to teach. I'm really excited about it. And here's here's what's going to be covered. And this is why it's important. And you kind of give people a sneak peek into it or maybe just the first module. The point being is like to test it with a live audience first in some way. I know some people who pre-sell their courses and uh, the course that I did on my studio setup here, I pre-sold before I made it. <laughs> so there's things you can do as well and, and have that uh, to do to have that uh, validation up front before you you know extend the further effort to, to produce it. So see if it's something that you can pre-sell and that people are excited about learning about, like just to see how people respond to it. Um, is, is one thing I've, I've definitely recommended for sure. Um, the other thing too, is to really think about how the, how that course itself, what does that accomplish for you and your business? Because there's different types of courses, like there's introductory type courses where they just, you know, introduces maybe a framework that you follow that every client needs to go through before they work with you on a much deeper level. So I find that that's really good just to mm. get people in the door with you without you having to extend that time. Um, there's also... I guess what they call transformation courses, which are, you know, getting somebody from point A to B and there's like a clear transformation that you provide for them. Um, uh, typically those are like the more popular courses we see right now is like something that, you know, some kind of transformation, Hey, you'll have six weeks to six figures, you know, kind of stuff, like something that actually should have a very um, hard result at the end as a transformation. Um, the third one that I've seen, which is really interesting, is like certification courses as well. So again, if your framework is at a point where other people are already following it, or maybe you have coaches under you or consultants under you or businesses that follow that, like it's possible that you could actually create that content uh, in a in a way that sort of, you know, it's a certified, um, it's a certified, uh, people can be certified through your coursework or through your framework, in other words. 
So I found there's a lot of different uses for it. So that's something else I would say to see if see which category, if you will, it makes sense for that to fall under for your business strategy, what's going to make the most sense. And I feel like for those who are getting into it, the introductory piece is great because you can mm. actually prep your client to be your favorite client for when you're ready for the real work. Everything else is done beforehand. I love that. That's such a great idea. Um, and then in terms of physically making the video, like once someone's ready to work with you, do we do we have to go to San Diego to work with you, which I'd, which I'd love to do? Um, how does that process work? Yeah, I'm so pumped about this. So my business partner, uh, she's actually kind of developed a year schedule for us. So three months out of the year, we'll be kind of on production tour, if you will. So any major city we're actually will go to, um, it kind of fits in with our values and what we like to do as well. So we literally can go to any major city, set up shop and have a completely well-branded set um, for that person and do all the filming there. So it doesn't have to be San Diego. It'd be great to come out here because it's such a beautiful city, but uh, we're open to that as well in terms of coming to where people are, wherever it makes the most sense. Oh, I didn't know that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so there'll be three months out of the year that I'm kind of like, on the road almost. And then the mm -hmm. rest of the year is like um, teaching uh, and business development stuff. Oh, that's amazing. I love it. Yeah, that is awesome. Hey, if, somebody, if somebody flies out to you, uh, fish tacos on you when they're out there. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> and uh, tomorrow's 420. So California is definitely about that life of like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's no, just. <laughs> Tacos and uh, tacos and uh, trying to figure out cannabis. I don't want to say any words. Like <laughs> so many words for it. Yeah, you'll be extra creative. It's good. Yes, there you go. <laughs> so, Parsha, I want to um, ask you a little bit about because um, with courses, it's not just the curriculum and the course itself, but it's also the promotion of it. Um, you know, same thing with like a lead magnet. I often say to people like um, it. It matters what's in your lead magnet, but it matters more that the title of your lead magnet and the cover of your lead magnet is attractive enough to, to get people in the door. Now, obviously, if it's a crappy lead magnet, they're not going to pay attention to your emails that come afterwards. Um, so like you have to deliver the goods. But I think the same thing is kind of true with a course. It, like the promotion of it is, you know, relatively as important, if not more important than the course itself. How much work do you do with people while they're producing the course and talking about the promotion that they would need to do to actually drive people to the course? Yeah, that's such a good question. In fact, part of our production day includes all the promotional filming as well. Mm. So I find that when I'm looking at people's curriculum as well, I'm like, I put asterisks next to the thing because I know that it is such a good topic. It could be a standalone sneak peek for the entire course. You know, um, typically out of like maybe 25 lessons or so, I'm finding like two or three really good pieces that could just be out there just to attract people to the course altogether. But we do make sure that um, in the film day that it's set like we're going to do some promotional stuff. And depending on who they are and, and how they best present, it could be something an interview style. And of course, doing some more stuff that might be uh, straight to direct to camera, um, like landing page videos, uh, thank you page videos, thanks for their emails. Like that'll be a part, a small part of, a, of the film day that we'll also cover. Got it. So it's like, check. Got it. <laughs> I think that's huge though, because you end up, you, it's like you, you create one piece and then you just realize oh, I need all these other pieces. Like I'm still not ready to launch. So I think that that's yeah. huge. People can walk away with, from working with you. Like I literally have everything I need. I am ready to roll with this. Yeah, exactly. And you know, our goal is to do it in one day. Um, 
but we do have, you know, some that extended to two days, but it's still a lot of fun and everything gets done. It's like a batch style of like just knocking it all out. Is anybody batch style recording? You know, it's. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I used to do, um, we used to take an hour like every month or two back when I had True Voice Media and we would record like 10 60 second videos. We would just have like 10 questions. Tim would ask me all the questions. I would answer it. We would go right to the next one, to the next one. And then uh, we had all this time where we were just like, you know, messing around beforehand and everything and talking about ridiculous things. And Tim would continually push the envelope and make it goofier and goofier. And that became the intros to the video. Uh, so I'm a big fan of the batch processing uh, for sure. Um, there, were, there was actually one where uh, where Jeff is just outside grilling and I'm just set up a camera and like a light and then Jeff, I'm just like asking Jeff questions while he's grilling and he's just going through these social media questions as he's flipping burgers, I think at the time or something like that. Yeah, they're still up on the Truest Media YouTube. Yeah. They came up. Wow. Yeah. Um, so question that, that I think is um, for both you and Tim, because you both, you know, in making video content and photography and anything visual, you always have to be concerned with the aesthetic of things. And there's this delicate balance between what the client thinks they want versus what you know might be the better way of going about it. In online courses, I, and this kind of harkens back to something Tim said a little bit earlier about the gamification piece, is like, I think we have this idea that learning is supposed to be like dry and boring, but I think we have so many opportunities to make it fun, whether that's your gamification or even just the aesthetics of how you present something. How much, um, how much influence do you try to exert over that? Because I, I think... As an educator, I'm sure you have a, a sense about what's going to get the best effect and what's going to land the best from a visual aesthetic. Um, how much of how much influence do you exert over that versus like if somebody comes to you and they want something that's like super like Microsoft corporate, you know, are you like, okay, let's just execute that the best we can? Or do you try to help influence your clients towards something that might be more dynamic? Yeah, I, I like to... And we know this as creatives, it's like, especially if you're being, if, if you're, if you're at a certain price point, I think, and you're at a certain value point with what you're offering, there should be a level of trust in what you're coming to the table to do. And so I see sort of this aesthetic piece coming to mind with like how we design the set really. So if the set can be designed in a way that brings out the aesthetic, um, to me, that's really important to the environment that the person is in. So I know that for our process, we put emphasis on how the set is designed. And in particular, when we did Rachel's project, we actually rented out an entire uh, house and rebranded like three different rooms in there, including one outside area that was by a pool. So all of those things were specifically matched up to what would be the best for her with what we had there. So for me, I see the aesthetic coming to play and how we can plan out a really good set because there's not going to be a lot of motion, you know, involved in a lot of this online coursework. It's going to be mainly um, direct to camera, um, some motion graphics that, get. and then depending on the teaching style, some sort of other storytelling piece that might get added into it. But um, it's going to be mostly direct to camera stuff. And I prefer, and I really, really love uh, masterclass.com and sort of the approach of yeah. the aesthetic when you think about that. That sort of is like my, I would say that's my goal. Like I want to do better than masterclass.com in terms of like the aesthetic and the feel of the quality. Mm. Bring. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's a high bar coming from uh, partial. <laughs> um, 
No, that's really cool. So can you, uh, we don't have that much time, but can you tell us a little bit about, because uh, I know you're working on a course right now. Can you tell us uh, what you're working on? Yeah, so this is uh, inspired by Jeff because he helped me with, uh, well, there's 36,000 feet, which is the name of the company. Mm. First class is our production package that we do everything. Everything we just discussed um, is first class. But if someone's working with us business class, they're still, to get, they're still getting to the destination of high quality video for their online course. Um, but the program is going to be that course that actually shows them how to um, follow the same process, but to do it themselves. And to maybe do with a little bit more of, um, you know, some live coaching involved in that as well, maybe in a group setting. So that course is going to be more interactive. I actually consider that more of a program. Mm. But that's a, a business class offering that's specific to the same end result. But if someone was either looking to hire their own crew or do it themselves, that would be the route for them to take. And I have resources and an entire plan for that direction. Can I actually ask you a question? Um, when you're... Uh... When you're working with a client and they want to like upgrade their like maybe for for their streaming or Zoom calls or maybe they want they're trying to produce some some video content for like LinkedIn and stuff like that and like at the moment they don't really have like any lighting equipment they don't have any like when you're when you're talking about upgrading the look of their thing like how do you generally like what 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 needs to go into that conversation because I mean like you know video equipment isn't cheap. You know what I mean? Like lights aren't necessarily cheap. There are cheap options, but like, like I, I I've been I've been curious because a couple of people have asked me for for stuff like that, and I'm I'm never sure like how to talk about like the equipment side of what they need streaming wise, especially when it comes to budget and stuff like that. Yeah, there there's a there's a bunch of different ranges that people can take just to upgrade it. It could be as simple as hey, instead of using the camera that's built into your laptop or your uh, your iMac or whatever or your computer like get a webcam, that would be a step up in that direction. Um, but it's not just the camera. I think it's also the environment that you're in. You guys know my set. You've seen this evolve. I don't know how many times, but I just keep playing with it because, you know, I'm trying to find, you know, find what's going to work for me. But um, but I think your background also is important. And then just making sure that you're clearly seen and clearly heard, like at the end of the day. Um, and actually with online courses and any sort of any content where you're educating, your audio is actually more important than your video. So um, for, for, for what I recommend when it comes to like upgraded set, like you can have this for like under a thousand bucks. My camera that I'm using, um, I got used for like 500 bucks. Um, I have two lights and they're one, one, well, they're each 200 a piece, but you could just have one. Um, and then all you need is a microphone. Those three components and you're pretty much like, already leaps and bounds above and beyond like what most people are doing just with using their built-in webcam. So things like that, I, I look into as categories for how to, um, you know, update the level. And sometimes just doing the audio, like <laughs> it's like night and day sometimes for people, they can still have the same look, you know, and, uh, and the audio is very, very clear. And plus I I've learned like a lot patience. too, you know? Our patience for audio has just gone. Like we just don't stand for it anymore. It's fascinating. Yeah, like, the audio has to be good. Hmm. Cool. Um, so I guess uh, this is the time in the show where uh, we get to talk about uh, who's obsessed with what. Um, so um, what do you guys? What, what's on your mind the, uh, this week? Is there anything you guys are obsessed with at the moment? 
mean, I got two things that I'm super into right now. Um, uh, for one, uh, Dogecoin, because tomorrow is going to be the day that we go to the moon. Uh, but also guilty pleasure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let everybody know that this is a thing that I'm doing. But on Netflix, there's a show called Ginny and Georgia that's a little bit like Gilmore Girls meets Breaking Bad, I feel like. And uh, it's really good. Uh, it's really, really good. I enjoy it a lot. And uh, I'm only watching it because my wife was watching and I happen to be on the couch and like it's good enough that oh. I'm sitting there. But Only because of that. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't watch it on my own. I mean, I guess I might, but like. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, you were, you were uh, blushing when you brought that up. Yeah, it's, it's a good show, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's entertaining. It, it keeps your interest. Yeah. Uh, um, well, uh, thanks everybody for joining us today. Um, thanks, Parshel, for. By the way, Parshel, do you want to throw anything else out there? Or how people can find you if they're uh, looking to build a web course, uh, web course of their own? Yeah, what's a good way to get in touch with you? Yeah, right now by LinkedIn is perfect. So just hit me up on LinkedIn, connect with me there, and I would love to continue the conversation about this and anything else that might be interesting to talk about. That's awesome. Uh, I'm really excited to see your course and, uh, and uh, to hear about um, clients in the future. Um, everybody, thank you for joining us today for the Heroic Council. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Parshel. Thank you, Tim. And uh, we will uh, see you guys next week.